0: Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkzer. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I'm so excited to connect you with Sean Walsh, the founder of Cali Barbecue Media. And over the last 12 years, Sean and his team has built a restaurant and media business that had generated over $25 million dollars. And sales in San Diego, California, without ever adding another single location. His greatest location curse became his greatest location gift, as it forced him and his team to focus on all things digital just to stay in business. And this was all before the pandemic. And now, during the pandemic, the team and him have developed a plan to scale with a new model that is three times more profitable than the traditional food service restaurant model. He's currently working on a plan to repurpose 60% of his dining room into a commissionaire kitchen to service the additional ghost kitchens he plans to add over the next three years. We also talked about how he sees the industry changes over the coming years and how technology, delivery and takeaway will play a major role. This episode is a true example of how you can turn a bad situation into a positive one. But before you tune in, why not sign up to our Maverick Community Newsletter and get great insights and leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. If you would like to have a chat with me, please book a slot on hospitalitymavericks.com. I love to talk with people who also want to build a better future. Please also join the Game Changer Facebook group if you want to be in the forefront of what progressive leaders are up to in hospitality. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this... There will be links in the show notes. So grab headphones, coffee, notebook, and enjoy. We are now here in the UK in what I would call potentially a blanket lockdown of the country. Some parts of the country have already closed down, and this has tremendous impact on our beloved uh, industry. And uh, we all hope that didn't happen this second round of uh, closure because we all know that this is like looking down a barrel of a gun and the closure rate is just going to go up now. And therefore, more than ever, there's a need for, for different thinking about how we uh, we build and we run hospitality businesses and restaurants. And for this pure reason, I've invited uh, today's guest because way before uh, the pandemic, he was already reconfiguring and rethinking with his team about what a restaurant business looked like and how you actually can run and, uh, and actually be part of a restaurant environment without actually just being down in the engine room. So for this episode, welcome to Sean World chef from uh, San Diego in the U S.
1: Thank you for having me on. I'm, uh, I'm here to inspire and to give hope back to people that are in the hospitality business that are looking for answers that are looking for purpose because I believe that even though everything is dark right now, there's never been a greater time to be in business.
0: No, and I guess this is also the opportunity to uh, maybe reinvent, rebuild something that didn't maybe work before that. Because I know you've been talking about it before on uh, other podcasts, and you've been, you know, there's been done articles with you in the restaurant owner magazine, uh, and you have always been the advocate about that. There's something not there was something not working in the old way of running a restaurant business you know you know we all have to work hard when we run our own businesses but that thing about you know working 80 to 100 hours a week and have one percent on the bottom line if you're lucky that was not much fun in that so you set up a business a bit different can you tell people a bit about what you're doing and what kind of business you're running in uh, San Diego and uh, you're all about barbecue but uh, why, why are you different and what is it that you have done we opened up our
1: business in 2008 at the height of the economic recession. And when we opened, we actually picked a location um, that many real estate experts told us was a bad a bad location. Um, they tell you location, location, location. Um, so people that were in hospitality restaurants, people that were much smarter than me, uh, didn't understand why we were picking the location that we did. But we knew that it was an underserved part of San Diego, um, East County, so about about 15 minutes, uh, east of downtown San Diego. And there weren't other restaurants out there. There weren't other pubs or bars. Um, we wanted to create a family friendly, uh, sports bar that people could come and the community could celebrate. And when we opened, it was very difficult. Um, it was a breakfast concept that we took over. So we had a existing breakfast business. We had 18 employees when we started, um, and it was a very big struggle to get people to buy into dinner in the area, to get them to buy into what we were doing. And we tried to do every single form of marketing possible. I mean, that was long enough, long ago enough that somebody told us that it was good advice to advertise in the yellow pages, which <laughs> for people that don't know what the yellow pages are, that's uh, what, Yelp used, what Yelp is now is what the yellow pages. It's an actual physical book and a directory that businesses would actually put their name as starting with an A in the business. So they would end up in the front of this book. But nonetheless, we tried Yellow Pages. We tried advertising in the newspaper. We tried advertising in mailers. We tried um, going on radio. We tried to figure out how to get onto television, which we couldn't do. We tried to figure out how to get in newspapers, um, which we did with coupons. Um, So we spent a lot of money trying to figure out marketing. Um, And this was before we were a barbecue restaurant. We evolved into a barbecue business Um, about a year after we opened um, because we wanted a point of differentiation. Um, Barbecue was something that craft barbecue was not getting done in San Diego. Um, It was something that was more in Texas and Kansas City and Memphis, all the uh, places that you see on Netflix. That's where you think think of barbecue. You don't think of barbecue in San Diego, but we knew that if we learned how to do something that was very difficult and took a long time, um, that would It would compel people, not just in our local area, but all around San Diego County to come and drive for barbecue if it was good enough. Um, And there's something that happened early on. Going from 2008 with 18 employees to pre-pandemic, we were at about 56 employees. Um, So we scaled our business from $300,000 losing money every year um, up to $3.3 million um, in 12 years. Uh, we never opened up another location because we never felt that the model was scalable. Um, that the full service restaurant sports bar model is broken. Uh, but what happened early on, and that's something that uh, really resonated with me as I was telling the story a couple days ago on a different podcast, was we realized that because the layout of our restaurant was in two bedroom house that was an add-on to an add-on to an add-on. So it was non-traditional restaurant layout. There was a lot of difficulty getting coverage, um, for when the hours that we were open and we were open from 7. AM until, uh, 10 PM, seven days a week. So that's a lot of hours. Um, what we realized is there's a sign, um, that you can buy at any restaurant supply business or online, and it's the sign that says, please seat yourself or please wait to be seated. Um, you can flip the sign and it'll say, please seat yourself or please wait to be seated. And, and essentially what that sign is, is a, it's a hospitality hack. It's a way to reduce labor costs. Um, everybody that's run a restaurant, we all know that sign. We've all seen that sign. Um, we don't want to pay for a host during non-peak hours if we're doing lunch and lunch business slows down. You don't want to pay the three hours during the day, which equates to 15 to 18 to 21 hours during the week. You know, you can save all that payroll by eliminating that person and putting that sign up. Well, what happens when you walk into a restaurant with that sign? We all know what happens. You go and you sit at a table and you get the absolute worst service that you've ever got. The server doesn't want to be there. They just came back on break. Um, it takes forever to get the check. So it's just a bad experience. Uh, what Eric Olofsson, my general manager, and I decided early on was we're gonna pay for hospitality. We're gonna invest in hospitality and we're gonna always have a hostess at the front of our restaurant to welcome guests, to say hello, to make people feel like they're coming home, um, to give them a tour of the menu, to sit them down and let them know that the server's gonna be there, to thank them when they leave, um, to help them get a high chair, to help them with a the wheelchair, whatever it might be. we're going to make that investment in hospitality and that was very early on and what i started to realize now looking back on it is that we did the same thing online so digital hospitality was all of these new platforms started emerging um, after the first smartphone the first iphone came out in 2007 um, june 29th, 2007 the only reason i know that date is because my son was born on june 29th, 2017. Um, and I was in the hospital Googling on my phone, you know, what, what significant has happened in history. And the reason why it sticks out at me, obviously it was an incredible moment, my firstborn son, but the cell phone is the, the smartphone has only been around. I mean, the iPhone, the first iPhone, it's only been around for 13 years, but we take it for granted. Um, we don't realize how incredible these tools are that are built, not just within the phone, uh, not just that there's 4k video. Um, You can take photos, you can publish on the internet, you can create podcasts, you can create YouTube shows, all with your phone, but the apps within those phones. So Yelp, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it, all these different apps, they're places where customers are. And the more that we started claiming those pages and interacting with people like the same way that we interacted with people in our restaurant, so no customer goes ignored all the information's correct, we started understanding that all the traditional marketing methods that we had read about, that we had been taught, that people were best practices, they were evolving. Um, It's not that they were wrong. It's not that legacy marketing is wrong. It's that digital marketing is different and that becomes digital storytelling. Uh, The more that we learned how to market ourselves, who we are um, as a restaurant, Um, who we are as a family who we are in barbecue because we believe a rising tide lifts all ships for us it was never about being the best barbecue it was about starting a movement that there were great people cooking barbecue whether you were an amateur whether you were a caterer whether you worked at a farmer's market if you loved barbecue and you lived on the west coast we wanted to celebrate you and we invited those people in Uh, we have an annual amateur barbecue contest But that became part of our story and learning how to use the smartphone, learning how to use my iPhone to take pictures, to publish on Facebook, to create events, to publish on Instagram, to tweet, learning how to do that put us in a position where in the last three years, we become a media company. We're Cali Barbecue Media. We realize it's so much easier than people make it out to be. And that's one of the things that, uh, that drives me today is to demystify the smartphone. Um, people's relationship with the smartphone um, because there's so many incredible leaders that are in hospitality that have gifts beyond the four walls of their restaurant, that they can make an impact in their community. And let's be honest. That's why people listen to this podcast, Michael. They listen to this podcast because they want to be inspired. You have guests on, you do a phenomenal job yourself, inspiring people to know that there is more. And that's, that's all we want. You know, we don't want to be in our restaurant seven days a week. So I don't see my family and then my family resents me. I want to be able to create an environment where I can, I can thrive, but also my employees can thrive. If they don't thrive, they can't take care they can't take care of our, our community. You know that we want to create memorable moments, and how can we do that now? We can do that by learning how to use our smartphone.
0: It's super interesting what you're saying because I picked up a couple of things here. Um, you don't mention running a restaurant uh, at any time. you are you are serving people, you are scaling stories, and that's the kind of language you're using. So you are creating this shared banner around you know understanding barbecue better to educate people about the, the, you know, actually the skill it takes to be a good pit master because lots of people think, you know, it it, it takes, it takes hours to do that. Maybe days sometimes to prepare the right barbecue. And when did it actually click to you that you said in the beginning that we didn't have a scalable model uh, or because a lot, a lot of operators think that it's about getting that first blueprint, right? We scale to number two sort out, iron out the issues. And often what happens, they scale faster than they're actually ready to. And it all falls apart. And I had a conversation as early this morning, even though it's a great market for snapping up properties, as I said to the, this uh, person I talked with, it doesn't mean you need to open more units because it's actually not about opening units, about scaling stories now. Because people don't want you to have world domination. They want you to be special, different. They want to make it have this unique. They even want to travel to you. As you mentioned, people are traveling across the state of San Diego to come and see you guys. Where was it that it clicked for you that this is what I need to do and you just dropped all your focusing on expanding on units? That's a
1: great question. You you you'd mentioned restaurantowner.com. Uh, that was the first internet third-party tech partner essentially that we had because I was looking online for thought leaders and resources to... Help me know what I didn't know. Um, Even though I grew up in the restaurant business, I had never owned the business myself. So all the different templates, all the different tools, all the things that a corporation, a successful multi-unit chain has, they've been there before. We needed to create them. You don't have a uniform policy until you need a uniform policy. You don't know that uniform policy is important until you have a full restaurant on fight night or on NFL Sunday where... There's so many people that nobody knows who their server is because they don't have a uniform. You start to create those policies, but learning from experts, going on restaurantowner.com, subscribing to uh, restaurant startup and growth. I started to read in there stories of other businesses, other restaurants that weren't just in the United States. They're global. You know, they're, this is a global thing that we're talking about not just not just restaurants not just bars but hospitality and how do you understand that it's more than just the business it's more than just the four walls of your restaurant it's beyond that and what i started to understand once we knew that because a restaurant owner they told us a success every successful uh, independent restaurant they get weekly financials i said that seems like a very daunting task how am i supposed to get weekly financials you know i barely see my accountant and getting monthly financials is hard enough, but that led us down the path to hire restaurant solutions, which is a software company, incredible people out of uh, Colorado that help, you know, 1600 independent restaurants establish systems of control to do weekly inventories, to get a weekly P and L. And then we started working on the business side, the stuff that isn't sexy for me. I'm not an account. I don't have an accounting background. That's not my strength. um, The financial behind the business But starting to understand, well, this is how much we're paying for labor, and this is how much a lot of other places are paying for labor. Are we willing to sacrifice that hospitality? You know, we have over 2,300, four and a half stars on Yelp. Um, We have a lot of one stars and a lot of times where we failed. But the more that we embraced Yelp and responded to Yelp and learned that if there's multiple reviews that are saying something, maybe we need to dig deeper as, as managers to understand that maybe there's a system flaw, or maybe there's something that we need to update in our menu. The more that we started doing that, the more we started realizing Yelp is very powerful. We need to use Yelp. We need to embrace Yelp. But we also understood that how can we scale this business? Should we scale this business? Is this the right thing to go out and go raise money to open up another location? Um, And we grew significantly from 2012 to 20, you know, till, till pre-pandemic, but all along the way, we continued working on our true craft, which is digital storytelling. We do digital storytelling about ourselves by doing it about ourselves. We learned that it wasn't about ourselves. It's about everybody else around us. People learn through you. So by seeing us do it, other businesses that I know, other friends that I know that run businesses, they would make fun of me for posting on Facebook. They go, why are you doing that? You know, why do you keep posting, you know, every single day on Facebook? It's annoying. It's like, you can unfollow me. I'm learning how to do it. I would tweet and nobody would listen. I would post on LinkedIn. Nobody cared. But along the way, I was learning that something bigger was happening. And now we're, we are where we are, which is, you know, we have a podcast every single week. We put on, you know, YouTube videos. We partner with our tech companies. We realized that all of those tools that are in that smartphone that we talked about those 13 years these companies they're young companies they need to do marketing too they need more restaurant operators but they need restaurant operators that understand how to use these tools and the things that we need to do to make them better i mean we just implemented toast so during coronavirus we um we went from 56 employees down to 29 employees uh we closed all of our dine in services so we were only a digital restaurant for takeout and third-party delivery. So you could order online and come for takeout. We had Aloha. Uh, Aloha was the POS system that we implemented back in 2008. We chose between Aloha and Micros. And we made that decision based on the best of the best. That was the most, one of the, some of the most expensive equipment we put into our restaurant. When we chose that, Aloha was great. It helped us literally scale our business to where we never thought possible. But along the way, we learned that ordering online, that being an e-commerce company was probably one of the most important things that we leaned into. Um, Understanding how do we get more catering sales was using the website to help people understand what our catering menu is, how to fill out a catering request form. So they didn't actually have to call the restaurant or go in and talk to a manager. A a floor manager has no business talking about catering to somebody. I mean, that's just not going to work. But Once we put it online on our website and those questions were answered, people started filling them out and we started fulfilling more catering orders. So as pre-pandemic, we realized that we wanted to have a better mobile first website and Aloha, their third party partner for us was 411 Eats. We couldn't update the website ourselves. That's not going to work for us. You know, you have to have sexy photos. It has to be mobile first. It has to be an easy checkout experience. And we switched over to Toast, and we've been with Toast for one month during the pandemic. But Toast is an integration partner. They're a technology partner. They've been so responsive to all the things that we're asking for because they understand that they need us just as much as we need them. And that's the incredible thing of what's happening right now.
0: And it's, it's very interesting that you actually what you see is what mcdonald's have done years ago you know partnering up with suppliers this is just digital suppliers and i think you would see much more of that you know your suppliers become your partners your landlords become your partners this divide between these silos will disappear because you can't survive. Nobody can survive. The landlord will not make money, the supplier will not make money, and the restaurant will not make money. So I think that's that's very smart, and I see the same. But what what Another thing she said was, was really interesting is that you go into the pandemic with this mindset because you didn't find out all these things in the pandemic. You were already on this journey where as you entered the pandemic. What have happened in the pandemic for you? Because you have not been the kind of person I've heard on different social media activities and podcast saying that our sales are struggling. You are actually, you know, you've been thriving to, uh, to, through the pandemic.
1: We're three times more profitable than we've ever been during the pandemic. We proved financially, thanks to Restaurant Solutions, the things that we knew were going to happen in the long run, but we weren't able to pivot. So because we have we are a digital restaurant, we're literally selling more things online per hour than we ever were able to do as a full service restaurant. So the, the holidays during, uh, the pandemic Easter, mother's day, father's day, 4th of July, those four holidays we sold on Easter, we sold out in five hours. We were open for five hours. That's when we realized the systems, all the tickets. That's when we realized we needed toast. We needed a kitchen display unit. We needed the ability for people to order ahead of time, but also to understand how many orders were coming in so we could manage the flow of orders. Um, On Mother's Day, we sold out in in an hour shorter, so in four hours. And then on Father's Day, we sold out before we opened the restaurant. We never opened the restaurant on Father's Day. We did more sales in zero time than we did in 14 hours of sales the previous year.
0: Yeah. And that's without any labor on the floor
1: to do that sales. It's with 30, with about 20% of the, of the labor that would, would be needed before.
0: What is interesting here is as well that you, I, I guess you're now in that what you call what every restaurant dreams about, that queue outside the door. It's, it's a digital queue in this example, but you're oversubscribed. And that's, in principle, your job as an operator, uh, where I sometimes hear the disconnect. They think it's about running the operation, but they're actually making sure your business gets oversubscribed. That's your job. So so you landed there. What do you do then with capacity? Because I guess, as you said, we, we had to close down. That's the worst. That's both the most positive and the worst situation for any business owner. Because that means there's more to do. What we
1: focus on is on are the things that we can control. So the things that we can control is that the digital infrastructure of our business, of our e-commerce company, our media company, our technology company, that we can build those the way that we know how, which is through digital hospitality. We want to treat the customer the same way that they, that we train our staff. We make sure that we go through a rigorous training process through a hiring process. I mean, we, we tell people we hire for blood type and that's a hospitality blood type. Like you have to know how to care for people. If you don't know how to care for, it has nothing to do with experience. It has to do with your attitude and your ability to care for people. If you can't do that, you can't work in our concept because we know that the greatest people, they're empathetic. They use all their senses. They remember people. They make memorable moments. Um, In order to do that, you have to have a heart. And for us, this is the greatest time to capitalize on having a heart online. You know, people think digital and they think that we're talking about automation. We're talking about eliminating jobs. We're talking about more efficient jobs. We're talking about bringing on the next generation of hospitality professionals that are going to understand that their business is not just face-to-face, but it's how do we also interact with the customer that's on Uber Eats, the customer that ordered through DoorDash, the customer that ordered through Toast and it's coming to pick up online, the customer that hasn't found us yet, but now is looking on Nextdoor and sees our post. How do we interact with them in a way that's personal, memorable, and makes them want to share? I mean, ultimately, that's how we build our business, right? As people want to share a great story, they want their time back. I mean, time is one of the greatest, greatest gifts that we all have. And why does somebody that has great barbecue, why do you have to go wait in line for two hours to get great barbecue? I don't believe that you have to. It's our job to figure out how do we optimize our labor in one location so that we can have all of our specialized labor there and find more distribution points for our barbecue. Um, That's what we're doing. We're opening up a ghost kitchen currently. The reason why the company that found us was that they were looking on Yelp. They found our Yelp profile, um, saw that we were a strong brand online and thought that uh, we would be great operators. And we're going to be doing, there's going to be 20 different brands in that same concept, but a lot of them are going to be operating like food trucks. So it's going to be third-party delivery only and pickup. So there's no dine-in seating, but they're going to be cooking on site. We're doing all of our cooking at our master smokehouse, our master commissary kitchen. And then we're going to be delivering it multiple times a day to make sure that we have the freshest product. But once we're out, we're out, and then we'll do it again the next day.
0: Interesting. So your way of scaling uh, besides digital storytelling is actually, you know, go out now into, you know, much cheaper ways of uh, opening kitchen in partnership with others, uh, buying into existing infrastructure and actually thereby also reach new markets you maybe wasn't able to serve before and uh, and save a lot of time for the consumer. Because as you say, probably one of the biggest, things we need to understand is how do we add value in any interaction with the customers as we go forward?
1: And that's the great thing is that once you start to use your smartphone, your iPhone, your Android, whatever phone you have, and you start to understand that it's you, if you're listening to this podcast, the answer is you, you need to download the app, you might have a social media manager, you might have a digital marketing manager, you might have an agency, but ultimately at the end of the day, The story is you, it's your brand. You pick the name of the company, you design the logo, you design the restaurant, you pick the menu. You're the one that cares about the customers. You care about your village. You, it has to be you. Once you understand that it's so much easier than you think to share your story through audio, through video, through images and through text, through the written word, that's really all it is. That's all the internet is. Once you start talking about search engine optimization and Google AdWords and mobile for, like technology gets more complicated than we need it to be. We don't understand how electricity works. We don't understand how the internet works. It works. We're building on the backs of giants. We don't have to be those giants, but the opportunity is doing what we do best within those giant platforms. And once we start doing that, we start to realize that's where all the magic is. That's what our true gift is as hospitality professionals. We care about people and what we do in the four walls of our restaurants or multiple restaurants. Not just ourselves, but every single business needs to learn how to do hospitality. Customer service is bullshit. We all know that. We, we know it and how we feel. When someone says customer service, that's treating someone like a human. Like you say hello when someone says hello, you pick up the phone when the phone rings. Like that's bullshit. Is that really the standard? It's not. Anybody that's listening to this podcast, you know what hospitality makes you feel a certain way. That's what inspires me is, is meeting professionals like you, people that are sharing the word, knowing that it's not just about London. This is a global issue. When I go to Bulgaria and visit my wife and their family and I go to the, you know, the local place that's serving Bulgarian hamburgers and I, I talk to them and I see I look online, I see, do they have a website? Are they deliver doing third-party delivery? You know, what are they doing to become a bigger voice for their village, for their city? There's people out there that are doing it. There's people out there that they understand, and it has nothing to do with age. My grandfather was 80, he, he passed away when he was 88 years old. And every single day he found that as an opportunity to learn. He had no problem being the stupidest person. He was a medical doctor, um, that got into real estate development later. And I watched him every single day of his life when we would go. He would take me and travel all throughout Europe. We would go on tours. And this is when I was, you know, I was 21 years old. I was help, trying to help him write his book. We would go on tours of all these great monuments. And he would always want to be the one next to the tour guide. He would always want to ask questions. And I would, at that point, when I was young and immature, I would go, Well, why are you doing that? You know, what, why do you always have to ask the questions? But once you ask the question, if you listen to a podcast and uh, someone a guest or the host says reach out send me an email if you have a question all of a sudden this magic starts to happen maybe they don't answer but maybe they do and then what you know maybe you answer that question and you start a twitter account and you start to tweet and no one listens but then you start to follow people that are influencers within your village that are on media that have different platforms and then you start to you know understand that Anybody that moves you, you can follow and you can turn notifications on and then you can understand what their thoughts are. I mean, we're at a time where the greatest thought leaders in marketing, like Seth Godin and uh, Simon Sinek, not only can you get their information for free on demand anytime, but they're interviewing each other on each other's podcasts. You know, it's compounding the the, the amount of information and the depth of information that we're able to get if we want to.
0: How do you think that uh, with with that angle of that continuous learning, the one percent improvement all the time, and actually just you know take that smartphone and get started? How would you envision hospitality on a general level will look in? Because what you're doing, and we talked a bit about before we went on the podcast, it's not the standard. This is not what every operators are doing right now. They're not in front of the business. They're not. Walking with a banner, so everybody else, both the the people, the communities, can walk behind it and understand clearly what that business is about. they, they are maybe in in the operation, but how would hospitality look in the, in the future? We can maybe say twelve to eighteen months, and I know in this world we live in it's very difficult to you know predict what's happening. but what is, what is your view on how it's gonna, how is the landscapes going to look in, in twelve to eighteen months because it's going fast right now with, with closures and, and change.
1: I mean, I I think we need to look at it differently than the way that we do. Um, You know, we don't look at ourselves as a barbecue company. Uh, Like I said, we're a media company and a barbecue company. Uh, We serve, we do, we do both. Um, But the most important thing is that we understand that we have the things that we can control, which is today. And as a leader, as somebody that cares about what we've built, but also understands that what we've built will change. Um, the more that I accept change and the more that I understand that the more vulnerable I am, it's not about presenting the sexiest barbecue. I mean, it's not about showing off that we understand because we don't understand is is the bottom line. The more that we understand, the less we know, but we're willing to ask the questions. And that helps us share why we chose toast over Aloha, why we're upgrading. Why am I posting a video of my general manager and myself unboxing all of our toast tech gear for the restaurant. Like why, why did I find that important to post that on our Instagram feed and on YouTube and on LinkedIn? Well, I found it important because I know that there's other restaurant owners that follow us and maybe they have the same questions and listening to somebody that's in the business say why we're doing what we're doing is different than listening to a toast rep say that. And from an even deeper perspective, me not being the only one bringing my general manager on, he speaks a language that operators know. Every general manager has the same pain points that my general manager has. And once you understand that's a different frequency, then you realize his story resonates. It might not resonate with the person that wants to buy ribs. It might not resonate with the, the family that comes to the restaurant, you know, every single birthday but they know other people that own restaurants. That's the power of the internet. And then once they go, well, I never knew about restaurant technology. Then you realize, well, not only that, but the B2B space, people that don't think that they need to be on social media, they realize, well, if everybody's on social media, why aren't we telling our stories on social media? And why don't we do it in a more compelling way? When we do those videos, we're literally showing people the inside of our restaurant and the inside of our restaurant looks like a war zone. My wife came, she's been, she hasn't been to the restaurant in a couple of weeks uh, because she was in Bulgaria and she came out and she goes, what's going on here? I'm like, babe, we've been closed. We've been closed to, there's no customers that come in. So we have literally built a mini factory to do alcohol sales to go, which we're fortunate to be able to do. We do craft cocktails, margaritas, fish bowls, um, design them, promote them on social media. But nonetheless, you have to get over yourself and you have to know that nobody knows the story better than you. There's no reason why someone from San Diego, I grew up in La Jolla, very beautiful, wealthy, affluent part of San Diego. There's no reason that I should be talking at the National Barbecue Association to people that are champion barbecue experts, people that have been doing barbecue that are the ones that write books, the ones that have millions of YouTube subscribers, teaching them why they need to view barbecue as a media business. There's no reason why someone from San Diego should be doing that but I was able to do that because I know no one can do that story better. You know, when I, when we started getting opportunities to go speak on local news and speak on radio, I remember my fear of somebody asking me a question, technical question about barbecue that I didn't know. And that would make me look stupid and, and diminish my credibility. Once I realized I'm not the expert about barbecue, Gene Goykachea, he's our pit master. He's the one that, that he's the technician. He's the one that learned And taught us the right way to do barbecue. But I need to let him be him. And I need to let me be me. And anybody that's listening to this podcast, they have a story. And they, you know, most likely have given social media to somebody else. And my argument is you need to turn that camera onto yourself. And you need to start sharing your ideas and your thoughts and your vulnerabilities and your hope. Because your hope can be somebody else's hope. Not just another restaurant, but another small business. And you can teach hospitality in ways that other people, they don't know how to do hospitality the way we do.
0: It's super interesting what you're saying there is also what you're saying uh, when I sum it up is that you say that the the reason, you know, you're, you cannot just think as a restaurant company, you are a media company or you're an influencer, you're a storyteller. It's also because human buys from human. And this has come very... Evident in the pandemic as well that you're no longer in a part of a transaction. You're just not just handing over a plate of food or a a box of food. You are handing over stories. You are handing over emotions because you know we are when we eat. That's where we feel in control as an an individual, and we want to buy from the right people, the people we can identify with, and so on. I think it's, it's it's so spot on. It's going to be so interesting to see you know who can make that jump to become a media company or storyteller as you say and i totally agree with you that you need to be out there with social media But social media is a bit like being on the floor in your restaurant it's the front line you would be out there wouldn't if you're a savvy operator you would be out there in your restaurant ray Kroc was out there from mcdonald's every big you know uh company has gone big in food and drinks the founder has been out there in the front of the business with the customers and the customers are on social media, as you say, or part of it, the digital experience. Um, so, yeah, I think it's spot on where you see, well, how do you see the, the the competition? Would you see that uh, there's going to be very a lot of less, less restaurants on the market or you think it's going to be the same in a couple of years time or you see the market is going to shrink uh, a lot? I think there's just absolute incredible opportunity
1: to do food and beverage in a way that hasn't been done before. And then a way to teach hospitality to other businesses that do not understand hospitality at the depths that we do and that we feel in our bones and we care about because ultimately that needs to happen online. And if you're a tech company, you don't understand hospitality the way that a restaurant owner does they need to start incorporating those principles and those ideas into how they treat the customer journey, because it's not customer service, it's customer journey. And how do you get another restaurant owner to start singing the praises of toast? Toast needs to be incredible, not just as a product, but they need to have incredible people because if they have incredible people that I, that I lean on, that's my guy, or that's my girl. Like that's my go-to. And it's not about, Oh, I'm asking them a question that they don't know. It's I ask them a question and they go find the answer and they don't stop until they find an answer. And if the answer doesn't make sense, they ask more questions. I need more people like that on my team. And that's going to happen in all these different industries because there's just too much opportunity. I mean, if if somebody told me I just finished reading Guy Raz, um, who put who uh, does the uh, podcast, How I Built This. He just put out his book, How I Built This, which is a compilation of all these incredible entrepreneurs, all the brands that we know, but all the, the story, storytelling that goes on underneath all of those brands. And he talked about in there, the gold rush, you know, the gold rush when it happened in California, all of these people were out coming looking for gold. Um, they were all out looking for gold. Some of the smartest people realized that maybe they don't need to find gold. Maybe I can start to sell things to the people that are coming out to, to buy gold. Ghirardelli's chocolate—that literally business was built by selling chocolate to people that were out pioneering. Wells Fargo Bank—they became a bank just for the gold miners. Levi's jeans—they came because of they people needed clothes, so they made a better jean. Like, what's going to happen now is that people are going to understand that there's so many different opportunities to sell a hamburger, sell uh, a steak, sell a salad in a different way that they never thought possible. And, you know, I, I work with uh, David Meltzer. He's my business coach. Um, I've been fortunate to, um, you know, have him on my podcast and he puts on an incredible podcast called the playbook, but he challenges me to continually think bigger and that that's inspirational because my grandfather taught me the same thing. You know, my grandfather was born in a village in Bulgaria destined to be a farm boy. I mean, he was part of a farm lineage and his, his, dad and his grandfather, they all were, he was expected to be on the farm, but it was because there was somebody that came to the village, Dr. Haskell that established a missionary, uh, school for agriculture that taught children how to read. He gave my grandfather the gift of reading and curiosity. And my grandfather read every single book in that village and that led him to another village and you've got to continue. But unless you surround yourself with people that are positive, people that are doing things that inspire you, then you're going to go and talk to it. I don't need to be in the UK to know that there's people bitching and complaining about 500 things every single day that they can't control. The same thing happens in the United States. The same thing happens in Bulgaria. Like this is happening. Like we can't control certain things. So let's take care of what we can control. And let's surround ourselves with podcasts like hospitality, Mavericks, um, thought leaders, reading books, having, being vulnerable, asking questions, um, because the more that we do that, the more that you get to a place where you realize that we have a lot of gifts as restaurant owners. And, you know, that's, that's the, the true, the true thing that I've, I've really found during the coronavirus, the more conversations I've had on podcasts is it's hard, it's hard. And it, it sounds easy to say, oh, the internet's easy, but it, it really is. I mean, it, it, we're talking about doing all the things that you've already done. Once you realize you've already done it, you just haven't done it and recorded it, all you need to do is make a plan. You need to produce it by turning on the camera, then you publish it, and then you promote it. It's really um, much easier than than we make it out to be.
0: And also, it's a bit like anything else. You need to play the long game. You are not harvesting every day. You are planting seeds, as I normally say to people, as you do in any great business that's built, you know. Um, what have uh, you know, I I wanted to ask you this question because it sounds like this has just been a ride of success, you know, but it must been, you know, something that has triggered failure on this route. What, what, what's, what's in, you know, in this last year, where have you said, okay, here, I really, you know, you know, really made a big mistake and, and what, what, what happened do you think?
1: You know, one of the, the, the darkest points that I've had in the last two years was, um, yeah, you know, I started the Behind the Smoke podcast with one of my best friends, and that was uh, Derek Marso, my co-host. And we have been putting on the amateur uh, barbecue championship, um, the amateur barbecue event in front of our restaurant, shutting down the village, five thousand people, twenty amateur barbecue teams every single year, promoting the growth of barbecue, raising money for local youth sports. Uh, we put on a professional barbecue um, contest at the Del Mar Thoroughbred Club. Um, you know, the day after the million-dollar horse race, so you know, logistics, the amount of things that we did great and things that we struggled with together were significant, but he was going to open up his second location and we decided to go into a partnership together. Um, And during that time, that was us getting into a partnership in a way that we hadn't been. Um, The way that we had been doing business before was, it was more me driving and him deciding, riding shotgun and deciding how he can help best. For events that hadn't been created, so we had to create them. Podcast hadn't been created. This was me going to his business that his family created, and what I realized was that he, as for the partnership, he wanted me to be him and not be me. And you know, it's very difficult to talk about. I actually haven't talked about it uh, before. Um, You know, we we figured out a way for me to not be in business with him, but continue to be in friendship with him and continue to be part of a rising tide um, because we had accomplished too much together. But what I realized at that time was that I wasn't him. His strengths were my weaknesses and my strengths were his weaknesses, but also I could have made a lot of money opening up that In actually the neighborhood where I grew up, um, especially during the pandemic, because grocery business has been good business. But even without the pandemic, he has an incredible business, an incredible brand. But I also knew that I wouldn't be able to say yes to what moves me in my heart, which is doing the podcast, which is continuing to ask the questions, which is if I feel compelled to um, do a video for Toast, I don't need to ask for permission. I just do the video and I publish it. And if it works out great and people like it and they share it, that's great. If no one likes it, I don't care. That's a test for me. Um, that was probably you know one of the one of the darkest times that I've had recently. And you just you have to know who you are, um, and no matter what, you have to lean into it. And that's something that you know Gary Vaynerchuk, David Meltzer, um, a lot of the mentors, the people that I that I listen to. You know, people are going to laugh at you for your ideas. People laughed at me when I opened up the restaurant in Spring Valley. <laughs> people that I love and care about. Go, what are you doing? They laughed at me when I said we we're going to be a barbecue restaurant. They laughed when I said we're going all in on barbecue. They laughed when I told them I'm going to start uh, join the Save Our Bolts movement to try to save our San Diego Chargers from leaving and spend all this time and effort to develop these relationships with super fans and politicians and try to figure out a way to keep the, you know, my beloved football team and American football here in San Diego. But but I did that. And that created incredible opportunities that I would never take back. So that yeah, that that's that that's part of the darkness, but always always the, it's always darkest before the light, right?
0: Yeah. And I guess you had a massive learning there. So you can call it failure or darkness. But you again, you'd learn something. You got clear on your values. You can never you can always revisit your values and clarify what is exactly that drives you. Because we sometimes forget that in business because we look more on the opportunity than what's exactly the right thing to be involved in. So I think that's that's very honest and, and beautiful of you to, to share that. Uh, in the last couple of months, uh, Sean, what have surprised you most and why?
1: I think the, the depths of opportunity, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm a very optimistic person and I believe and I try to think big and dream big and and chase big ideas, but really st- Trying to understand what we're talking about as far as digital storytelling and the ability to have an impact, not just in San Diego, not just in the barbecue space, not just in the hospitality space, but really to have an impact on the things that we care about. It's hard, it's very hard to comprehend because it's so new. I mean, we're so early. And if you do it every single day, then you know where we are today 13 years later um that's why we're as confident as we are because if we opened up a restaurant in a place and we were successful we wouldn't have had to do all those things online you know we wouldn't have believed in facebook Mm. i I made fun of my my business partner when we opened Corey robinson um one of my closest friends from college because he was he would he had a facebook account You know, and I said, what are you doing? Are you trying to pick up girls? Like, I don't understand what's going on. And he, you know, we moved on, but then we realized we couldn't get people into the restaurant and Facebook had a Facebook for business. So I claimed the page and we started posting, we started updating, you know, me trying to get over my own biases makes me start to understand and just having the conversation with other people. I mean, if you talk to a person that has an iPhone versus an Android... I mean it it might as well be a democrat versus a republican. Like <laughs> we have these deep seated <laughs> beliefs and we really don't even know where these beliefs came from. Or I hate Twitter. I'm never going to go on Twitter. It's stupid to be on Twitter. Well why? You know it's just it's just it's another room in your restaurant. And if you think of it as a room in your restaurant, would you leave it undecorated? Would you leave it unstaffed? No, mm-hmm. you wouldn't.
0: I love that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in the end of the con- uh, the podcast, uh, Sean, I always, you've been already giving a lot of advice. So you've probably already given you three advice, but to sum up, you know, uh, what, what kind of, you know, three advice message do you want to give to leaders out there in the industry? There will be uh, people tuning in here uh, that maybe are in a difficult situation or people maybe they are rebuilding uh, and somebody is thriving. But what is your message to them and what top advice would you give them?
1: I mean, it's probably the advice that I've learned from my grandfather and now, you know, David Meltzer is helping me, but it's stay curious, stay curious, get involved and ask for help because a lot of people are curious. We're listening to this podcast. I mean, you have an incredible listenership all over the world, um, thought leaders, hospitality leaders driving in their car at home, auto workout. You're listening to it and you're inspired, but then now what? you do something afterwards, you know, when somebody asks the question, when there's a call to action, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many business books that marketing books that I love and I read, and there's a call to action from the author. I can't imagine how many people actually do the call to action. If you think about back when you were in school and back to my grandfather asking all these questions, whenever you found a class that actually inspired you or a professor or a coach that inspired you, You would do what they asked you to do, right? So why do we stop doing that for our business? Like once you do it for your business and you do that call to action, you read that extra book that they mention in the book that inspired them to write that book, then you go deeper. Once you listen to a podcast and a podcaster mentions another podcast, you go and you listen to that podcast and you see where that takes you and it takes you to a place of hope you know, that's where I am is a place of hope and understanding that this is the greatest time to be in business. No matter that our sales are down, we're more profit. We have a profitable business model. And will that change? Yes, it will change. But our strength is going to be that we're going to continue to learn. And then we're going to continue to ask questions and ask for help. If you don't ask for help, I mean, that's one of the things that I've been trying to focus on as a man, as a, as a father, as a husband. If, if I don't ask for help, if I don't, I don't take care of myself. You know, I, I know you did a, a podcast on mental health, which I really appreciate. And I believe something that so many more hospitality professionals, leaders that we need to talk about that we don't talk about taking care of our own brain, our own body. You know, we talk about body a lot, but not our brain, you know, not, not about how, do, how do I be a better man? Cause I, if I'm not a better man, I can't be a better husband. And I, you know, now that I'm a new dad, everything in your body wants to be the best dad possible that it becomes difficult to have a great relationship with your wife and your wife wants to take care of your kids. But then ultimately my wife needs time for herself, but more importantly, I need time for myself so that I can be the best dad. I can be the best husband that I can be first because my kids are going to learn the relationship between a man and a woman from how I treat my wife and how she treats me. Stay curious, get involved, ask for help.
0: That's uh, super relevant because what you're saying as well is what I often say to people. You know, uh, you know, if you want to create that business, you need to think about who do you need to become to create that business, and that often starts a different journey than just growing a business. So I think that was super, super relevant advice out there. So yeah, go and ask for help, and I'm sure I'm not talking over myself that. Sean would be happy to get requests uh, from you guys. If anyone had a question, where's the best place to find you?
1: Uh, they can find us Calibbq.media, um, or you can find me on Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter account now is your homework assignment to set up your Twitter account and set it up for yourself as a th- as you, as a leader, you can do your brand, but I w- it, Twitter is much easier to speak in the first person. So set it up as you, as the leader with your real name and your profile who you are and what you care about. And uh, you can follow me and I'll follow you back um, at Sean, S-H-A-W-N-P, middle initial and Walchef, Sean P. Walchef. Um, that's all All the digital social handles. If we're not there, um, chances are we're, we're there somewhere. But but reach out to us because we we would love to hear what you learned from the show and um, how we can be of service.
0: Yeah, and uh, we'll put all that in the, the show notes as well for you out there if you didn't didn't pick it up. So uh, there will be a a link to click to, to find Sean and uh, the barbecue, Kylie barbecue business and media business. Thank you so much for taking out your time and actually share, you know, your thoughts, uh, your radical thinking, I wouldn't even call radical necessary thinking to to reinvent, uh, you know, the, the hospitality industry.
1: Michael, I can't thank you enough. Um, I, I don't know if the listeners know, but the amount of commitment, the, the level of quality um, of the content that you put out. It's a true gift. And um, I know just just from the, the episodes that I've listened to and the content that I've consumed of yours that um, you're going to be a leader for a long time to come. And um, I, I appreciate you inspiring other leaders uh, to do the same. So thank you for, for what you do.
0: Thank you for that, Sean. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sean. Really amazing story about how you are growing the business through Storytelling, digitalization, and utilizing the restaurant's capacity to develop multiple revenue streams. And Sean is always eager to help entrepreneurs all over the globe, so reach out to him and connect. Please also check our episode number 6, Only the Innovative Will Survive, with Joe Crisp, the co-founder and MD at Trailab. There's some real gems in here on innovation and digitalization. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate, or subscribe to one of our channels. Tune in next time for another interview, and in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to the community and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. And please join the Game Changer Facebook group if you want to be in the forefront of what progressive leaders are up to in hospitality. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. Thanks for listening and be Maverick!